0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with a special guest. It's actually 2022 now. And so she's the first guest on my podcast of 2022, which is really exciting. Um, And this person, she also is someone who is helping people with bulimia recovery. She has her own story. She struggled for 23 years with bulimia. And I think you guys will relate, especially a lot of you guys that have struggled for a long amount of time, but I have to say her Instagram is fabulous how she's so honest and vulnerable she like me will admit when she is still maybe struggling with the journey herself or something like that and she just truly truly cares about helping people so also i have um a cold so if you guys can notice that um it'll be a little harder for me to speak today but her name is eva medioni i'm gonna pronounce that correctly and she's also known as reverse underscore bulimia underscore with underscore Eva. I want to get those underscores correct. So Eva, thank you for being on the podcast. Hello.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah,
0: yeah. So first of all, um, how were your holidays? I always like to ask that after the Christmas break. They, they were honestly great. I did nothing and I was amazing. <laughs> you did how did you manage to do nothing over the holidays?
1: <laughs> so uh it's a choice. I used to uh you know go <laughs> <laughs> and do so many things and now I like I enjoy so much being with myself with my kids and my husband and just you know in the house and you know just read or relax and it's a it's a whole new life
0: <laughs> yeah well I know there's a lot of pressure on people to do tons and tons of stuff over holidays and get swept away and I love that you just said well it's a choice <laughs> it's like so <laughs> offhandedly but it really is you don't have to say yes to all those things um so, good for you for actually just taking a step back and doing your own thing,
1: yeah, it felt it felt good. And uh, yeah, it felt good. And also it's also the you know an opportunity to tell everyone that it's not because it's a holiday or I don't know whatever's going what's going on outside or in your life. You don't have, you know, to be
0: aligned with what's going on outside. You just
1: you know you can always make your own decisions of life. so
0: Right. Yeah. Stepping away from it and making your own decisions is Mm -hmm. sometimes easier said than done, but a helpful thing for everyone to do. So tell us, I always like to start out the podcast with asking people, what is your story when it comes to bulimia? Just tell us the background there. Okay. So how far do I go? (laughs) I think whatever you feel comfortable sharing. So you can start from the very beginning, but at least give us like a little preview of what, what happened. Okay.
1: So I'm um, 41 and I've had bulimia for uh, 23 years. Um, it started like um, I stopped about um, a year ago and I consider myself recovered. By recovered is always in recovery, but we'll, maybe we'll discuss that a little later. And um, uh, yeah, I've been put into diets when I was 10. I was not fat at the time. Uh, But my, uh, uh, yeah, my doctor uh, told my mom that I was a bit chubby. So he wanted, you know, um, he wanted to protect me. And so he put me on a diet and my diet life started at 10. Wow. And yeah. And no matter how thin or fat I was, it was never good. So, you know, I've tried all the diets and I've been dieting for so many years. And one day it was too hard. So I was like, how am I going to get rid of all the food I've eaten since I'm so fat? Um, which is not a problem, by the way, for me now. But um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think I, I believe I, re, I saw a movie, uh, you know, seeing a girl who was throwing up. And I was like, maybe that's an option. And after, mm. you know, if you try, I was like, OK, maybe
0: that'll work for me so how long did that last the bulimia you mean yeah after like so what happened after that basically
1: okay so after that um the first year so i was hiding uh my, uh, binging. And so I have, was having lots of binges. I wasn't eating in public. So I was because in my family and everyone around me was, um, putting me on a diet. So I had like special meals and it was always like vegetables and no fat and all the things. So I didn't enjoy it. Plus I wasn't really hungry. So I was eating, um, secretly and overeating, um, Uh, And then uh, I started uh, trying to purge. In the beginning, I'll admit it wasn't working. So I was really pissed at myself because I took lots of weight and I was bullied for being, uh, you know, fatter. And I was considered... um, I come from a Jewish Sephardic family with, you know, like all, all types of uh, stereotypes around the woman and how a woman is mm. supposed to be and her body. And so I had lots of pressure around that and um, I was rejected and so after you know i after i tried so many times to make myself throw up one day it worked and i started being uh, at a more normal weight and that's how i maintained my weight for so many years mm. um, i tried to stop to stop sorry but um we both know that willpower has nothing to do with it
0: so it didn't work. yeah well you know i have mixed feelings like I think that at the beginning sometimes some willpower is required to like push yourself through but I do agree that like willpower is not a sustainable method long term but um so and and I'm sorry I meant to ask earlier like how old were you when it started That when, 17 when, okay. 17 all right yeah. no that's, that's awful okay so that lasted a long time also I'm sorry that I mean, you're, you're fine now, obviously, but still I did a long period of your life. I'm sorry. People are putting on diets and holding those pressures up to you. So how did you kind of come out of that? And it's also fairly recent, your recovery, which is, I think really cool in a lot of ways. A lot of people think they have to, they have to have five years under their belt or seven years under the belt before they can even dare to say that they are recovered. And I love that you're just out here already saying, no, this is where I'm at. So anyway, how did you get to that point?
1: okay so I've tried many things and I mean they're all valid but they didn't work for me so I've tried medication that didn't help before medication different medications didn't help because it's also associated with anxiety or a little depression or deep depression it depends and so I've tried but I was just um it was just not working it was making me worse I mean I was feeling tired all the time so it didn't help but I'm not suggesting that you know no one should go to the doctor Mm -hmm. so you know um I tried also therapy like uh one-to-one therapy and group therapies it Mm -hmm. helped a, a little bit but it never for me um what was unbelievable is that none of this helped me stop for one day so I've been um yeah I've been binging and purging for almost uh 23 years pretty much every day once a day but every day um, on some periods maybe a little less or a little more but that's still a lot mm-hmm.
0: yeah no absolutely well why do you I know you want to say like what worked but why do you think those things didn't work for you because they work for some people, obviously
1: they do. They do. Mm-hmm. I believe we all have a different story. What never really helped me is um, to work only what I call on the mechanical part. Like you can suppress, you know, some depression with medication, which is really you useful. Once again, I'm not suggesting that people don't yeah. take medication. Uh, You can stop, as you said, like to binge and purge if you have some willpower. I didn't have, but some people have more willpower uh, around that. uh, And they are capable of stopping binging and purging for like one month or three months. But then it's coming back. It didn't work for me because, uh, in my opinion, and that's how like I'm helping other people it's how i talk to myself no matter like you know the amount of willpower you can have and you the, the effort you can put into stopping yourself from eating so much in a short amount of time you know compulsively w- with like the lack of control and then purging the the worst part in bulimia for me was how i was talking to myself all the mm. time so I'm not suggesting that you know there. Of course, there are like really, I mean, pretty um, well-known downsides to binging and purging, especially purging. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- what kept me uh, there, despite like therapy, and in therapy we went like you know to through childhood and you know some traumas, and it was useful. But I still didn't know how to talk to myself like today okay now I know that but what am I gonna do with myself right now
0: Mm -hmm. and so well one I agree first of all that uh like those things can be really effective and helpful and some people like that works but A lot of people I know that listen to my podcast and people I've talked to, traditional therapy hasn't worked for them. Medications haven't worked for them. Um, And that's not, again, to say that they don't work, but there's certainly a group of people. So when you say talk to yourself, what do you mean by that?
1: It's like uh, basically uh, paying um, attention to when something happens. um, For example, if I'm eating a little too much because we're talking about like food, but it could apply to anything in life um uh, let's say i eat and i eat a little too much and you know you always have i mean when you're bulimic you always have the thought okay is it like when do i stop and when you start feeling a little full, you're like it's triggering lots of you know thoughts and feelings and then you call yourself names you're like okay you're just so fat you're so lazy you cannot do it you're Mm -hmm. such a failure and you go and you spiral into all of that And that leads you to to the fuck it mentality where you're like, okay, so since I'm screwed, you know, just let's, you know, give in the urge to eat and then purge because, you know, I'm not worth anything else. And that's basically what happens. But it could happen to anything in life. For example, you, you lose your keys, your, you know, your house keys, and you're like, I'm such a failure. Yeah. How uh, can I use right. my keys? Yeah. <laughs> and, like a
0: ridiculous, simple things. And you're like, you're yeah. a horrible person.
1: <laughs> yeah. How mm-hmm. could you do that? What were you thinking? And mm-hmm. you go, and, and that's not helpful. And that's a soundtrack. That's a narrative we're having all the time for everything, almost everything. And that's what leading
0: um, people to,
1: to In my opinion,
0: Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's a huge component of it. Um, and I'm glad, thank you for explaining that, because it, first of all, can be applied to other things. So people, I think when they learn how to change that narrative, like you're saying, then they can also apply it to their others in life. And also, I found that once I started talking, being nicer to myself and talking to myself differently, I started talking to other people differently, too, which was like a nice side benefit as well. But I know people out there are listening and they're probably like, well, how do you even begin to, to change those things? How did you start to change that track?
1: Okay. So first of all, uh, yeah, the first tip I, uh, the first thing I did was like, we tend to be perfectionists. Most of the Limic people are really like smart women. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking about women because I, you know, I take care of women, but it could be men, but like, we tend to be perfectionists and so it's really hard uh we're being really hard on ourselves and how did i start i started journaling and without judging myself which was hard but i realized all the horrible things i was writing in my journal about myself and I was like, okay, where do I start? How can I stop talking to myself like an asshole? Seriously, and 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 then I've been helped. Also, I've been taking coaching. Uh, I know you've uh, probably, I, 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 if I didn't misread, you've been through the Life Coach School uh, self scholars, right? So mm-hmm. probably, yeah. yeah. So did I, um, and then I went to another coaching group and we learned how to, you know, use thoughts a little differently and to go to a neutral space. So basically when you notice like about uh, a thought where you're self balling yourself, you're not gonna be like, okay, I'm just, you know, a goddess and everyone loves me and I'm the queen of the universe. You cannot jump to <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> makes no <total>
1: sense. <laughs> yeah but that's what happens because when we you know listen or read about positivity especially on social media it's like um okay yeah please be grateful be positive and it feels even worse when you don't you're not in a good place yeah so
0: it feels like if you have something that's way too sweet it's like ridiculous and overwhelming sorry by the way my eyes are watering like crazy from this cold so if I just casually dab my eyes (laughs) that's why
1: so yeah and i believe what works is to try uh preferably with the help of someone but some people can do it by themselves it can take a little longer but whatever so uh to kind of um make some thoughts more neutral by more neutral i mean something that is less worse let's say Um, When you tell yourself I'm a failure, you can tell yourself it's possible that I'm not a failure. You're just giving like, you know, an option to your life that maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, there isn't only one way, you know, to be. And so, and then you, you know, you kind of um, improve these sentences in your head with with time. And Mm -hmm. that's where you awareness is huge like just paying attention journaling and paying attention to how you're talking to yourself usually brings a big shift
0: Um, yeah i mean people that um hear that too it sounds so simple but awareness really is a gigantic piece you if you're not aware of what you're doing you have no idea how to solve the problems it's just listening like the problems become very obvious and then you can change them more easily than you thought so how how long do you think it took you to... First of all, at what point did you f- call yourself recovered?
1: Um, probably, um, okay, let me think because it's like fresh. It's still fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably after five months because in the beginning, um, in the beginning, I was... Okay, I'm going to say something that is very, like, not sexy for recovery, but I want people to know. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> recovery is tough. So uh, you, are, you have got to be willing to be uncomfortable it is very uncomfortable to feel all the food in your body and to be like, I'm not going to purge. And sometimes even eating a very small quantity of food can be really triggering and feel awful because you're not used to digesting all the foods. So I, on top of the work, you know, the thought work, I've done a huge work on my body and my sensations. And I have also a somatic approach Uh, for that, because usually um, what's important to know is that uh, in the beginning, so in the five first month, I um, uncovered all the like horrible thoughts I had about myself and what's happening when you have bulimia or I would say any other addiction, except we don't have a specific substance such as drug or alcohol, but it's like people believe that once they stop having binges and purges, they're going to feel happy ever after. This is not (laughs) life. There is no exit ramp to the human experience. So (laughs) when it happens, it's great. But it means that since you're not bypassing all the thoughts and emotions, you have to face them. And that was the tough part. And that's where getting help was so crucial because you're facing like, you know, all the horrible things you were Mm -hmm. bypassing all the time.
0: Yeah. I think that, uh, people think, oh, once I stop binging and purging, it will be all better. And to some degree, it is nice that you're not binging and purging anymore. And that, that frees up some of your mental space and your, your energy and thoughts. Mm -hmm. But then you, like you said, you have to just be present for all of it. And that can be overwhelming. Sometimes good experiences are overwhelming, you know, like they, they're just the same. Um, and when I was when I stopped binging and purging, I say this all the time my podcast, but it was, I had like a three month period, or I don't even know how long it lasted where I would just like every afternoon be like in my bed staring at the ceiling. Cause <laughs> 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 like that's all I had the energy to do, because I was just yeah. so overwhelmed with things.
1: Yeah, and I was the same in so su- in the beginning, to be <laughs> honest, <laughs> if it can help some of you know the listeners. I was in the beginning, I was like, okay, let's just feel the down feelings in my body. So I was lying on my bed, looking at the ceiling and I was like, okay, is this happening to me right now? I was having all kinds of sensations and I was like, okay, I'm safe. I'm safe. Nothing is happening to me right
0: now. I'm just,
1: Mm -hmm. you know, having some vibrations in my body and it's fine, but yeah. um,
0: Absolutely. I remember it sounds ridiculous, too. It's like, oh, I know that you're not going to die. But I I also sometimes I would be at work. So I couldn't just go lie in bed. And I literally had to write, you know, on the edge of whatever paper I had be like, am I going to die? And then I would write down no. And I would just like, ask myself that stupid question. But it was very comforting to be like, am no.
1: okay. It's so good. I think people should do it. I mean, when you, when something is on your mind, it's not crazy. Just put it on a sheet of paper
0: and answer yourself. Like, seriously, right. are you going to die? Answer that like yeah. right now. It's so Cause good. your mind runs rampant otherwise. So, yeah. yeah. The, so, okay. Five months is when you kind of called yourself recovered more or less, and it wasn't just a clean break. Uh, but I asked that because a lot of people are like, when can you call yourself recovered? And what would you say? Because I know some people out there that are sticklers for the rules. They'd be like, oh, there's no way that she's recovered um, after one year. She's still in the red zone. How do you feel about that?
1: Okay, so I get to, um, and that's something I apply also more generally to life uh, right now um, is um, I get to choose how I want to name myself. I consider myself recovered because I have changed, of course, the mechanical parts, so binge and purge. It could happen to me from time to time. I'm not saying that it's zero, um, but it's like, you know, once in a while and I don't make it a big deal and every time it happens I'm like it means nothing it's like out of habit it just happened so what and you know I I don't judge myself for doing it and uh once again it's not so much about like people believe like um recovery is in uh you know it's um you know, a destination. It's like you're recovered. And it's, I would like to ask the same. So what you're Mm -hmm. recovered from what, like, you're still having the human experience. So about the binge and purge part, which is like something big, which I understand for someone who's still going through it. And Mm -hmm. I'm sending love to all the people who are listening and who are going through that. But, um, you get to choose whenever you want to call yourself recovered. Now, we, if we look at the DSM-5, you know, with the official like definition, if right. you're binging and purging like more than uh, one to three times a week, then you're still, you know, uh, suffering from bulimia. But mm-hmm. um, I was doing less. So I chose to, to say that even if it was only five months, I chose to qualify myself as uh, recovered. Or in recovery, if you prefer. I don't mind both. Yeah,
0: I love that. I think, like you said, it's really important to start labeling, labeling yourself as that by your own standards, because a lot of people have different standards. But I, I see so many people that they will have the counters on their phone of like last time they binged, and I always notice a shift in people when they stop counting and they just are kind of like. It happens again, it happens again, but I'm, I'm mostly recovered. I like looking at the percentage of like, what time are you spending being recovered? And what time are you spending being, you know, in bulimia? And actually that percentage is growing. Even if you're still binging and purging once a week, notice how much less time you're spending on it. So,
1: Yeah, and yeah. that's something really important um, you're mentioning is that when you're in recovery, so we said it's not a destination, and so, um, of course, it's gold because for health issues, purging like you, you have, you know, you, yeah, you, you. I mean, you lack potassium. You have other health issues, so I'm not um, encouraging anyone to continue purging, but or mm-hmm. binging. But um, I want to tell people that you can consider yourself already in recovery when you're having health binge, when you're like not purging, even if you have binge. If you're purging, but less than you're used to doing it, and these are fractions, but you, they they count. It's not like either I stop binging and purging, and you know I'm rec- in recovery or recovered. Either I don't know. There is mm-hmm. progress. You know, every little thing you're doing, even if you're eating like one less box uh, of uh, cookie, it's already progress. I mean, it means yeah. like you could stop yourself, so it's good
0: people want to jump from zero to 100. Uh, I'm in the process of my business of considering hiring someone and it's so overwhelming. And I'm like, I have to figure out how to like get hand them. I'd have to know how to do it It has to be at this level 20 of like, it's all figured out and done and they're fine. They're the perfect employee. And first of all, I got to think of like, oh, what's the first step in that direction? And the first step in that direction is probably something along the lines of me giving them like a sloppy to-do list and like, that's figuring it out. So to bring that back to bulimia, it's kind of like the first step maybe is eating one less box of cookies and people don't want to accept that. That's someone told me today, something along the lines of that's unacceptable to like still have a binge, but that is the first step. So also you said you did a lot of work on body acceptance, body work. And actually before I ask that though, I want to ask, did you have any fears with giving up bulimia? Any feelings of wanting to keep it?
1: Um honestly, after 23 years, no, I was kind of dark. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh but what I missed was like uh feeling numb. Mm-hmm. Um there is something that was in a fucked up way. Um really comforting uh and you know i I had something to help me it was kind of a friend for me and i was feeling i was talking to myself when it was happening so all the things i wanted to say all the discussions i wanted to have i was feeling i was having this discussion with myself it was kind of me time sounds weird but it was me time for me so Hmm.
0: um yeah yeah, i I can relate
1: yeah you can relate so Hmm.
0: Well, then that's good to know because some people, you know, after 23 years, they still want to keep it around. But how did you, how did you go through recovery and kind of accept the fact that your body might change or things might be different? How did you deal with that?
1: Um, I've worked a lot uh, on like uh, anti-fatness and body dysmorphia because of course we, I mean, we obviously have it uh, when we're bulimic because we don't want to get fat. If not, we would just, you know, just binge and, you know, deal with uh, taking, you know, uh, lots of weight. So I worked a lot uh, on body image working with um, fat people. Uh, not for coaching, but I mean, I was having a uh, lot of content. I decluttered my Instagram and lots of um social media I had from only skinny people or fitness promoting people and so I worked a lot around like you could be any you know at anybody's size I'm not saying there is no discrimination outside but you always get to choose how you want to feel and I was like listen I've been like at this normal weight because I've never been skinny even though I was purging and i was at this weight but i was never happy so i was like actually my body is not what is making me happy what is making me happy is the thoughts i'm having about myself and the more i was surrounding myself with a you know diverse range of people the more i was feeling comfortable and loving them and finding them amazing. And I was like, this is life. This is true connections. And I don't care how well I will look like, but I know I don't want that anymore in my
0: life. Yeah. I can certainly agree that your body is not what makes you happy. However, I mean, you know, your health affects your mental health, right? So yeah. it's important to take care of yourself, that sort of stuff. But if you are size two. That does not make you happy, right? It doesn't. Um, and I, I feel like the leanest times um, that I have been have been the times when I've been most isolated and depressed, um, which is a horrible thing. That's not the case. Like, I don't, and when saying that, I want to be careful because you can um, achieve your health goals and stuff like that without giving up your life and happiness and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But leanness isn't necessarily the definition of health whatsoever.
1: No, and health in the, you know, worldwide definition includes mental health, and we don't Mm -hmm. discuss enough about it. And if you have like, um, usually, you know, when um, women I help tell me, um, I want to be healthy, and I ask them, uh, okay, What do you believe is and and they tell me i eat uh fruits and vegetables and i go to the gym like multiple times a week and they're like i want to keep this it's healthy and i always tell them you know what's healthier and they're like um i'm not sure (laughs) i'm like (laughs) to (laughs) to stop binge and purging and your mental health is like it's crucial what's the point of eating vegetable i'm not saying we you know like we're not supposed to eat like vegetables and all the things but Mm-hmm. it's not a priority. When you're binging and purging on a regular basis and you're dying slowly in sight, there is no yeah. point to me to eat any vegetables or go to the gym or, you know, walk 10 K steps a day. It's ridiculous. So I better.
0: <laughs> it's a little tough love from Ava. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think that um, people, when you're binging and purging, that is the top priority to get that done and. Again, the, what well, the things that we're saying though, I think is really triggering to someone who's in that eating disorder phase. Cause then they're like, I have to give up. That's completely letting go. That's letting go of all my health, everything. I'm going to be a complete slob, like only eating chicken all day or something. I don't know. But what actually happens is you kind of, not everyone, but for me, I found that when I first kind of jumped full heartedly into intuitive eating and stopped I didn't, I didn't eat like complete crap, but I was eating like crap, basically, (laughs) like going through lots of junk food and ice cream, but that really quickly tapered down because I, I also felt physically not that well eating that all the time. And I started craving broccoli and things like that. So most of the time you still, even when you kind of let those things go, you start craving healthy things, not always, but I think it comes from a, a better place. Cause when you're saying people are like wanting to do 10 K steps and stuff like that it comes from like pressure, pressure, pressure to whatever. But when you're craving broccoli, cause you've been eating like crap, it kind of comes from a place of like, no, oh, I want to take care of myself. This isn't, this isn't making me happy either.
1: Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. And mm-hmm. actually what surprised me, it actually blew my mind when I started eating like whatever I wanted. So I probably ate much more like, um, processed food. And I didn't mind. I was like, okay, I'm trying, you know, to stop binging and purging. So I don't really care what I'm eating, even if it's like it lasts for like one or two years. It's it's not a big deal for me. So I was mm-hmm. okay with that. And uh, what happened in the beginning is that since I was not purging and I was keeping the food, I was sometimes feeling so awful after eating like foods that were Heavy on my stomach and were giving me heartburns. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to experience that again. I'm not sure I'm enjoying this experience. So, you know, let's eat all the food. And I was also having salads and vegetables, but not forcefully. It was coming from a place where I wanted them. And it's totally different. So you'll get surprised.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when you're so so heart full heartedly trying to force yourself to eat those things it makes you want to rebel against it very hard and then um, once you kind of like I don't know it's like letting a kid do whatever they want or something for a little while and then the kid's like oh this is nice but I actually am kind of tired I actually do want to go back to school all these sorts of things like you kind of come back around and you just need your like weeks of play and stuff like that um but yeah a lot of people they're scared to take that leap um and go into that so it's good that we're both saying like no it it comes around it's not horrible long term
1: yeah exactly and also i saw that you're um you're also training your uh lifting weights right am i correct yeah Mm -hmm. me too um yeah i i've done so many sports i had a period during bulimia or i would say orthorexia but um i was compulsively going to the gym all the time and to mm. compensate on top of purging which has which was awful on my body and even during recovery you're you're like i i used to have this mentality of like what if i'm losing you know so much um muscle because i'm not having enough protein and what and nothing happened to me i kept the muscles and
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it's all we good. think that well the, the amount um that like the bodybuilding community encourages you to eat and protein is ridiculous. And I think that's only necessary if you're like a professional bodybuilder comp- competitor. Otherwise yeah. it's not, it's not practical nor good. It isn't good for you regardless, but it's definitely not necessary for you to do if you just are normal, want to build some muscle, whatever.
1: Yeah. And you can still build a great amount of muscles, not eating so many proteins. I mean, we're not professionals on this, but honestly, I've seen, you know, like the changes on my body and as you said, for what I'm expecting and it's like really fine. And I I see the difference and I'm also like 41. So it's not like I'm not 20. It's harder to, you know, uh, build muscle with age. So when you're aging, so uh i'm talking from like a realness it it happens if you're training and you're eating and you're feeding yourself it's gonna happen it will take a little more time maybe who cares it's working
0: you know yeah and that's why it's important to fall in love with the process right because like even yeah. if it takes time i'm sure i'm sure you like lifting weights because the feeling is really nice and it's good for your mental health as well
1: Mm, I feel so strong. I love feeling strong. Like when I, yeah. I, feel like I'm at the top of the world when I'm doing a deadlift.
0: Oh I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. You're like I could lift a car right now. I'm so <laughs> badass. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I want to, because for the sake of time, I want to ask you. I had a question. Let me review real quick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so you have a family, right? You have kids. What's it? What was it like? What is it like for you to be? a mother who struggled with eating? And then how and like, how do you apply that to your kids? Or what are you doing with that?
1: Okay, so um, first of all, I just want to say quickly, I felt really guilty when I was pregnant. Um, mm. Because I was still having uh bulimia and when i was also breastfeeding and the one discuss about it and maybe i'll do something you know uh one day around that and i was really worried and feeling guilty and all the things and of course it didn't help anyone but uh, that was just happening uh so um i tried when they were little i didn't tell them um and then with time um I, I decided, but it was a choice. You don't have to, uh, I decided to explain to them and they did not fully understand because they were still, I mean, young, They were not two, but even like from seven to 11, you know, now they're bigger, but you know, they don't fully understand what's going on. They're like, I don't understand, you know, what's going on, but I was trying to, you know, explain. And what I've learned from my own experience is that, um, I am putting zero pressure on my kids. They eat whatever they want, whenever they want. And I must admit that they don't, you know, do nonsense. Like, you okay. know, they self-regulate. So it's like um, I buy them all the things and whenever they want to eat, they eat. We do meals, of course. But I mean, mm-hmm. if they feel like snacking or something, I just allow them because I've, I believe that all the pressure that was put on me never helped and And also, I am really concerned that lots of um, teenagers at my um, uh, kids uh, you know uh, school are going through eating disorders. They share that with my kids. Mm-hmm. And because the pa- parents put them into diets or restrictions, and especially the girls, And it really breaks my heart. So if there is one parent listening to that, please do not put your child or your teenager or whatever age the person is, do not put someone under restriction. You know, like let people self-regulate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a. my mom was put on a diet when she did not need to be put on a diet at all when she was younger. It just affected her for the rest of her life. It's awful what it can do to people. But... Thank you for answering that, first of all, for saying that you struggled with it while you were pregnant and breastfeeding, because I asked it specifically because I know a lot of moms out there go through the same thing. You're not the only one that's just gone through that. And I think talking about it normalizes it. Not that it's like, you know, you should be doing that, but it's like, just let go of that guilt a little bit. Like, you're not the only one. You're not the worst mother in the universe. And then when you, so you said you did decide to tell your kids. Mm -hmm how do you might ask me asking how you approach that conversation
1: actually um we're living in apartments and it's not like so big and i believe they heard me like purge um oh. uh probably a couple of times and once they got, because kids don't talk that's something also i want to say to other moms or people listening maybe moms to be you know with the future doesn't matter is that um, the kids don't speak, but sometimes they hear or they don't mean to, you know, like um, stalk you, but (laughs) they're just Mm -hmm. around in the house. And sometimes they see that. And at a certain point, uh, one of my um, kid, I don't remember which one, told me, mom, are you sick? Is there something wrong?
0: And I was like,
1: uh, yeah. And I was like, okay, so now maybe they are spiraling into, you know, like the worst case scenario, like mom is dying. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I was like, I choose to be transparent with them, not with everything because, you know, there's a certain age where, you know, we're not, um, not going to share everything, but I mm-hmm. decided to tell them, okay, listen, I'm going through something, but you know, I'm handling it, so it's going to happen. Even if it happens and you see me, uh, I was not like, you know, showing, um, you know, purpose, but it could happen. And I was like, I just want you like to not worry for me. And that like, we're taking care of this like that and me. So don't worry about it. And they were like, okay, so at least when they were feeling something was off, uh, they were not, you know, in their head, like imagining, uh, you know, horrible scenarios and Maybe they did, but at least since we were talking about it, it was probably helping not, you know, telling themselves like mom is dying tomorrow.
0: Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. I I know it probably was hard, but um, a lot of people have asked me, should I tell my kids, should I not? And I agree that certain ages, like you should just like leave it and try your best to just not let those behaviors affect them. But I love what you said that, you know, they they pick up on things, they know things. And even as a teenager, you're I remember me being a teenager, like I could understand those things, but I also was young and like influenced and stuff like that and, and didn't know everything, obviously. So it would have been nice sometimes if my parents had just been honest with me about what was going on. And so that way I didn't have to let my mind run wild with imagination. So good for you for having the bravery to do that. And I'm Thank sure you. it helped. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, so we kind of covered quite a bit, first of all, um, I wanted to ask as we wrap some things up, first of all, do you have any goals for 2022?
1: Yeah. I want to help as many women as I can. Okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Do you do the classic, like new year's goal setting? I do, but I don't know if you do.
1: No, I don't. Um, I said, uh, I'm not really good with like, um, dates so (laughs) and i have also a bad history of like new year's resolutions so i'm not feeling comfortable doing it but i understand um i understand you could do it it's just that i'm setting goals given my own like let's say calendar my internal calendar Like if I'm ready to do something, it's like, it's my year, it's my moment, let's do this. And it has more to do with what's going on in my, on my mind than what's happening outside.
0: uh, I love that. Yeah. I think that, you know, the new year's can be such a great time because it's refresh and you, you kind of society gives you the chance to like start over and stuff like that, but also your own calendar is really much more important than anyone else's and set goals, but do it on your own time with what's going on with you. So that's great. And I think it's nice to have someone speak on the podcast who's not setting New years goals. I'm I'm such a goal setter and but I was never, I wasn't always good at it. So I would set goals and like notoriously fail. And I still I think I failed at almost every single one of my goals last year, but I learned a lot through the process, but like, you know, before I used to beat myself up if I failed, it's like, that's kind of the point is to fail at them. The process is more important.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, like what's failing anyways, what's failing?
0: Yeah. It's just like not reaching the arbitrary goal that you got, but as long as you don't give up, there's no failure really.
1: But actually, when you're setting a goal, the point is not to reach the goal. Of course, you have this goal. The point is to learn something about yourself during the journey. So you're like when you're setting a goal, you're like, what am I learning right now? And if you're not enjoying the journey, you're not going to enjoy the destination. So this is so important.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I know people have heard that before, but it really, really is true. You think you put all your eggs in this basket of like, I need to get there, get there, get there. And. the the problem is like, if you hate the process, you're more than likely not going to reach that destination or you're going to have a miserable time. And then you're going to have that one like little fun moment. And then it's going to all be over and either you're going to backslide or something else is going to happen. It's just not sustainable. But yeah. Okay. So to sum things up, what, is there anything else that you would say to someone out there listening who's struggling with bulimia?
1: Okay, first of all, I would say exactly what you're saying at the end of all your emails because I'm on your like I'm on your list. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> of course, I love it. So, it's don't give up on yourself. Never mm-hmm. give up on yourself. Like no matter how long you've been struggling with it, no matter like where you are in life, it it doesn't matter. Like you can do this. Don't give up on yourself and reach for help if you cannot do it by yourself, reach for help there are people out, out there who can help. You
0: know. Yeah, absolutely. And there's all types of people. I think when I was oh. going through recovery, I thought it was like only therapy or only a treatment center. And those, those are very necessary for a lot of people, but yeah. there are so there's like telehealth, there's, you can do online things. There's so many options out there for reaching help.
1: Yeah. And also that's uh, what I really enjoy about you and like the way you approach me even for the podcast. And that's also my philosophy. It's like, we're never enough to help people. It's like, it's not a competition. Like people Mm -hmm. like, basically I would say I'm not inventing the wheel. So what I'm saying already exists in the world. So I'm, I'm not a genius. (laughs) Yeah, It's just, I'm leveling things differently with, you know, part, a part of me that some people will like. And so they will come to me and other people won't like what I'm saying or proposing. And they will like be like, no, I like more Jacqueline or whoever is, you know, providing help mm-hmm. for bulimia. And that is amazing. I'm so happy. There are like more people to help because, you know, so many people are suffering. So that's great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're right. None of us are reinventing the wheel, just saying it in her own way. And and the cool thing about that is that you're going to, you talking right now, you're saying in a way that someone out there is listening right now and they're they're like, that is, that's the person. That's my person. She speaks my language. She gets me everything, you know, that I could never say and other people could never say. So, Mm -hmm. and then as I'm thinking, people out there listening, if you feel like there's something that you can do really well, but you feel like it's done before, just do it. Like you have your own way of doing it say it share it with the world would be important
1: yeah exactly like uh, yeah exactly this is so important and yeah Yeah. it's 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 nice you're saying it again we need people out
0: there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well thank you so much for being on the podcast uh real quick do you want to say your instagram one more time so people can find you
1: yeah so it's um uh also on instagram reverse underscore uh, bulimia underscore with underscore Eva EVA. Yeah.
0: yeah, nice. So she's on Instagram. I'm following her. Her Instagram's great. Uh, and again, she posts a lot of um, very honest, open things about bulimia and encouragement in her own journey and stuff like that. Although I saw you got a rude comment the other day. So I'm sorry about that. That's frustrating.
1: Yeah, it happens. I mean, you know, that's also like the the luck I'm having working with thoughts. I'm like, it's not about me. Someone is just talking, you know, they're talking to themselves. They're addressing their own problems. And if someone is not willing to listen or to be open-minded, it's okay. They can talk. They are allowed to talk. And, you know, I'm allowed like to not be okay with
0: what they're saying. <laughs> you respect so (laughs) yeah you just let them have their own opinion yes but i know it can be sometimes easier said than done so good for you the very mature way of handling it
1: yeah thank you so much for your support i really appreciate it
0: (laughs) yeah of course okay for all you guys out there listening thank you for being um thank you for listening up until this point i hope you found it helpful and thank you Ava, for for being here
1: thank you so much for all you're doing and for having me I'm in a better place